Hi everybody, this is Margaret Frankowitz, Margaret Copeman Frankowitz, let me correct that, and uh, this is Diabetes Survival, and I'm coming to you today to talk about uh, blood sugars and um, how to correct blood sugars quickly and hopefully naturally. So um, I went ahead and watched a a quick video on YouTube because I love YouTube. YouTube's my go-to source. Love it. This uh, doctor, uh, he calls himself Sugar MD. And um, it was a quick little five-minute video I was trying to think of different ways to bring blood sugars down quickly, of course. Um, The reason being is because sometimes my blood sugar likes to stagnate. Like I could have like a regular simple meal and it likes to stay high for a very long period of time. And of course it's not good. And I'm looking at it and uh, there's there's common sense ways to actually bring it down. And um, one of the the things that he mentioned in there that made sense, um, the other one was taking insulin, but you know, some of us don't take insulin. Some of us take metformin, some of us don't take anything at all. So some of us just control it by diet. But I think this was kind of interesting. So he, he's actually suggested take a walk and this makes perfect sense. And this is something that you can actually integrate into your daily routine is just taking a walk either before or after breakfast or, you know, at night or whenever. Taking a walk is probably the easiest thing to do to actually lower your blood sugar. And the reason being is because your muscles actually help to absorb that. Another one, I was actually watching this other video because of course the other one was only five minutes I felt like I had to do my duty and spend a little bit more time actually investigating this topic because I don't think I've ever posted anything on it but um, another one comes from a girl her name is Brittany Jacobs she actually had a video about a year ago on this topic now Brittany Jacobs is a type 1 diabetic and the things that she suggested well she was actually going into what it feels like to actually be a type 1 diabetic with high blood sugar and this is kind of like in the realm of of where we're at too because one of the things that happens when our blood sugars high is we get really thirsty and we drink a lot of water a lot of water and actually that's pretty good considering that's what they actually suggest to actually bring down blood sugar So our body is almost like a natural response to our high blood sugar. But if you're really thirsty, you might want to be aware of that. Um, And of course, with type 2 diabetics, I don't know if that's with type 1s as well, I'm assuming so, but you pee a lot. So um, really easy to become dehydrated and it may be just your body's response system to such high blood sugar. But what she went into, which was really interesting, uh, was how it felt with hyperglycemia. And, of course, with diabetes, we have different numbers. We have different normals. Like, a normal for me may be 100 or maybe 120. A uh, normal for her, for instance, she's a type 1, is 180. And anything over 250 is really high for her. And that's when she starts getting headaches. And, uh, let's see what else happens. Her, her sugar in her blood feels syrupy. Um, 
What else is she saying? She gets very thirsty. Her body aches. She feels gross. Headache. Dehydrated. Uh, But also another symptom is moodiness. I know I experience moodiness all the time. You get angry, frustrated. You don't know why. The simplest things set you off. I'm actually kind of frustrated on a normal basis, so that's kind of like my normal behavior where my blood sugar is calm. So, you know, usually after a good nap, I'm usually fine. So those are some of the some of the symptoms of diabetes and also what it feels like when you have high blood sugars. And one of the things, the reason why I'm mentioning her, because normally... I would kind of look at her and I'm like, okay, yeah, she's like some socialite who, you know, just wanted to get a YouTube channel or something. But one of the things she said that really made sense uh, is, is that there is no perfect solution or, um, what would you call it? There's no science, no perfect science to diabetes. And, of course, a lot of the doctors actually go into it and, you know, they they give you the basics. But sometimes your body reacts differently. Like, for instance, you may have missed your medication or you may have taken too much medication. I did that one time. I regretted that one. That was horrible. Um, Only one time. Only happened one time in 10 years. (laughs) I thought I had taken my medications and then I took them again. And I was one step to call the doctor and see what I could do because I was not feeling good at all. So, um, one of the dumb things that I've done. But she called it, okay, so she called all this as as a train wreck of errors. So that's what learning is all about. The reason why your blood sugar meter is important is so that you can kind of tell what's going on with your blood sugar. And, um... I really liked when she said that train wreck of errors. I'm like, you know what? She's absolutely right. Because you can do everything that you think you possibly can do or that your doctor actually suggests. And then all of a sudden, it's a 180 or three, you know, or 360. But we're talking about a 180 where every, the whole day is just going wrong. Like uh, you forget your medication or something you ate had too much sugar in it and you thought it was perfectly safe. One perfect example of that, for instance, is I, I used to go into the deli and I used to get my coleslaw all the time because, you know, cabbage is supposed to be good for like fighting cancer and has all kinds of health benefits to it. You know, it's a phosphate, I guess. Um, but anyways, yes, it's good food. And or so I thought, OK, so, you know, as soon as I, you know, I I had to do it, but I had to ask the deli, you know, what do you put in here? I mean, are you putting sugar in there? Oh my goodness. Once they confirmed that they were putting the sugar in there, I had to put it on my do not buy again from the deli list because, you know, as diabetics, we've got to stay away from the sugar. I mean, it's, this is good for anybody to stay away from the sugar though. So sugar is like a poison to our society. Whenever I look at a big bag of sugar now, I just see this automatic poison do not touch this is as bad as arsenic it's going to kill you if it doesn't give you diabetes it's going to i mean we already have diabetes i'm joking about that but it's going to give you cancer and it's not good for you the world health organization only tells you no they're i think they're pretty lax they say six whole teaspoons 
And you may think that you're actually eating a moderate amount of sugar. Let's say you're not a diabetic. Oh my goodness, I would have so much fun with you because you're probably taking anywhere between 30 and 60 teaspoons of sugar and you don't even know it. And maybe you're not even fat. Maybe you're thin as a rail. And you're like, this will never affect me. But did you know, even thin people actually have to deal with type 2 diabetes. Yep, I said it. And here's the thing. I feel sorry for those people because those people are the ones that are usually not tested for their A1C when they go into the doctor's office. They actually say one out of ten people. Actually, it was one in nine. It was one in nine. Okay, so this report came out uh, back in 2010, so of course it may need to be updated. But one in nine diabetics are actually thin. We're thin. And they're usually the hypoglycemics, but sometimes you do get hyperglycemics. And so they have to be aware of their blood sugar just as much as any other person who uh, may be a little bit overweight. So um, the reason why I know that is because I was going to St. Vincent de Paul. They had a special diabetes class where they had participants from all over Arizona actually attend here in Phoenix. Um, I'm so glad that I was actually a part of that. But there were people around the table, there were 10 of us, uh, maybe five of us, it was actually five of us, and one of the girls there, she was actually, you know, maybe 110 pounds, maybe 120, and she was also known as a hypoglycemic. So... By the end of that class, I was actually falling into the hypoglycemia as well. Um, However, of course, my blood sugar shifts all the time. So every time I went into class, which is like once a week, my blood sugar was testing anywhere between 90 and 100. So I was considered pretty much normal back then. But I was also on medications that were actually controlling it. So very proud of myself, but very strict diet. I made sure to stick to it. So, okay, so laundry list. Hopefully you're taking notes on this one. Because if your blood sugar is high, drink more water, go for a walk. You know, try to de-stress. Don't take it too personally. It's not an exact science. Um, Maybe give it an hour or two and test your blood sugar again. If it doesn't go down, this is pretty typical for diabetics where their blood sugar means high. That's why you're diabetic. So, uh, typically speaking, though, if you actually do exercise and you do drink water, it's probably going to come down. Also, make sure you check took your meds if you're on medication. And um, one of the things that Dr. Sugar, what's his name? Dr. Okay, I turned the page and I lost it. But anyways, the, the first video that I was actually suggesting... Um, one of the things that he suggested for type 1s is uh, what I remember was uh, there's a, a long-acting insulin and a short-acting one. And, of course, type 1s may want to actually look at those doses and um, use a little bit more if it's going up too high. And, of course, it gives you the general recommendations, you know, like always make sure to check with your doctor before, you know, you know, adjusting your medications which makes sense right and that's that log it if you forget Uh, watch what you eat Um, write it down if it seems a little bit suspicious like for instance your blood sugar is high that day and it really shouldn't have been 
you know, write it down and see how it affects you next time. And write down what your blood sugar was and such. Because you may need to make an adjustment to your diet, something that you thought would, um, you, that was your safe food. And in essence, it actually does have sugar in it. Just kind of the same way that I found out that the coleslaw from the deli actually had sugar in it. Now, speaking of which, I don't know if, if any of you are having that bowl of oatmeal, but that oatmeal's not necessarily good for diabetics. I know they recommend eating oatmeal. It's good for you. That's what they teach you in the dietitian's class. Oh, oatmeal, yay. It's actually not good for diabetics. I'm sorry, it's not. Um, and this does not go out to the people who are allergic to nuts, but... If you can eat nuts, like let's say you really like cereal, okay? And of course I've mentioned this one in one of my other episodes as well. But you can actually make a cereal with like, for instance, uh, buy some flaked almonds and maybe some chia seeds and walnuts and maybe a couple, some berries, some berries like blueberries or blackberries. Oh my goodness, they taste so good in there. Raspberries make yourself a real bowl of cereal with real foods and so this stuff doesn't have to cost a lot of money there's places like Winco where you can actually buy the stuff in bulk and um, it's really good but be careful with your dried dried um, berries and the reason why I say that is because for whatever reason like raisins has a higher sugar content. I'm not quite sure why. I, I've noticed like on my blood sugar, it spikes it. So I kind of lay off on the, ra- on the raisins. I love raisins. I still sometimes put like a few raisins in there just so I can pretend like I'm eating a lot of raisins. I know it's kind of weird. But I'll put raisins in there. And then of course, um, uh, who was it? It was uh, Dennis Pollock who actually came up with this cereal. And it is probably the best cereal you'll ever have because, you know, you pour your, your cream on top of it. He uses, um, like, like a half, like a half and half, like half cream and half milk. I just use milk. I love cream too, but, um, oh, I think I like milk a little bit more. So I'll use milk on like my, my walnuts and almonds and stuff. And I use the slivered almonds because it, it's more like cornflakes or something, you know, like they have the... The sliced almonds. I think it's so cool that you can actually buy that now. And you can usually find that in the baker's section of your grocery store. So, um, just absolutely delicious. It's a great alternative to regular cereal. And it's real food. It's not flaky, weird Kellogg's smashed, you know, whatever that stuff is. Like corn or wheat or something. So, it's good for you. Okay? So, um, sometimes alternatives are actually not only better for you, but they taste a lot better. You know, it's not so bad being a diabetic. I mean, mind you, we have to think a little bit differently about food, but it's really, it's it's about eating good foods. It's about, you know, um, being able to eat cream again and butter and milk and, you know, like the steak and... You know, I'd probably even I'd probably even sway away from the hamburger if you can help it. You know, just get yourself a steak. Sometimes that can be expensive. Sometimes not. I can go to my grocery store and get get a nice sirloin steak for about five bucks, and that thing will fill me up all day. That's another thing: is when you eat really good foods, 
you don't have to eat as much. I know a lot of people, especially diabetics, when I was sitting around the round table with the diabetics 10 years ago, one of the things they complained about is the cost. And it can seem very overwhelming for someone, especially if they're new to diabetes. They're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to afford this really good food? But okay, let me put your mind at ease here, okay? With the really good foods, if you're eating real foods, you're going to be eating less of the cornflakes and the oatmeal and, you know, the, a lot of the feelers that we have at the grocery store. You're going to be eating less of those, if, if any of those, eventually. And you're just going to, going to be eating whole foods. And you're going to notice that it's not really going to affect your, your food budget too much. So that's the good news. That's the stuff that they don't tell you because, you know, you go to a dietitian and they tell you you got to eat this and this and this. You're still thinking your old mindset with the old foods that you bought, plus you're adding all these new foods and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Well, that's how I felt anyways. And the reason being is because when I went into the dietitian 10 years ago, I was eating a lot of the foods that diabetics should not be eating, like breads and pastas and cereals and oatmeal. And I mean, this was a staple and I eat very little meat. I mean, very little. That's why I'm super skeptical when a vegetarian tells me that I can control my diabetes by going on a vegetarian diet, especially since I ate very little meat to begin with when I was told I was diabetic. So I've had to totally switch my gears and actually um, learn how to eat foods that I actually want to eat. And I was actually talking to um, my second mom about this. And I'm I'm like, Mom, do you remember when... I used to uh, come home after work and I would fry up a steak with butter and that's all I'd eat. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, did you know that's exactly the type of foods that I'm supposed to be on? And she just kind of looked at me weird. Of course. You know, she thought I was crazy, right? I'm like, no, this is exactly what my body needs. Now, mind you, it's supposed to have more fat in it. And so that's why I put the butter on it. But... Honestly, this has been my favorite food since I was like eight or nine years old. I absolutely love steak and butter. Now I can have it all the time. You know, that's the keto diet. Now, the problem is, is, is trying to stay away from the carbs. And of course, I do a pretty good job with that. Sometimes I get things that are coated in carbs. And so it's kind of unavoidable. But I just make sure it's as little as possible when I do do that. So, make sure you check the foods that you're actually eating. The more simple your foods are that you're actually eating, the easier it's going to be to eliminate the sugars that are actually in your food. The advantage to eliminating the sugars in your food is not only is it going to help you control your blood sugar numbers, but it's also going to be used to help control cancer cancer actually feeds off of sugar and they're finding this out watch yourself a couple of videos on sugar being poison on youtube and you know what i hope you actually um accept that because 
there's there's been so many videos out on how sugar's in poison and how it's actually being laced in all of our foods and our drinks and everything that you can certainly see why um, it's, it's targeting us for destruction. And I mean that. And it's not worth anybody losing their toes or their feet or their hands or anything else with diabetes or having a heart attack or a stroke or, you know, something horrible to that nature. And also there's some type of leaked Alzheimer's. So um, actually eliminating sugar out of your out of your body and out of your foods, out of your foods first and then out of your body, is going to make you a healthier, happier person. So sugar is also, in case you don't know this, but sugar is also comparable to cocaine. So the thing is, is I'm absolutely disgusted and appalled, mainly appalled because it's a nicer word, not disgusted. Okay, I'll take that out. That um. That all these products, all these candies and stuff are marketed to kids. And kids absolutely love them. I mean, it's not going to do them any harm, we think, anyways. I mean, I would be kind of reluctant to say to my kids, I'm sorry, kids, but you can't go for Halloween treats because it has sugar in it. And like when I was a kid, there was always that one little old lady that uh, used to drop off the apples or some kind of healthy snack and a lot of times we avoided her house because we knew that she had the healthy snacks and that's boring because we can get that at home or at school so you know kids don't know anything all right so um yes another thing that you can use to control your blood sugar is cinnamon i know that one might come up a lot too but just so you know from what i've heard you have to eat so much cinnamon that's not even really relevant but I guess it doesn't hurt to actually top off like your lattes or whatever you're drinking, maybe hot chocolate, I guess, with a little bit of cinnamon. I mean, it's certainly not going to do any harm. And maybe, and that's sugar-free hot chocolate, by the way, and maybe, just maybe, it'll help in some form, fashion, or another. Because blood sugar is very mysterious sometimes. Sometimes we don't know what actually lowers it. I remember having, I thought I was being bad one day, and what was it I had? I think I had like a, a like a honey bun or a sweet roll or something of that nature. Yeah, but it was a small portion, but still, it was not something I normally do. And of course, I'm consuming sugar, right? Okay? So, but it's so rare that I, I do consume sugar, but I make it rare. Okay? Anyway, so I ate this, the sweet bun. And I tested my blood sugar half an hour after I ate, and my blood sugars were actually normal. And I was near nurse at the time. And I'm looking at the nurse, and I'm looking at my blood sugar meter, and I'm like, I don't get it. Why is my blood sugar testing low when it's usually testing high? And she's like, you know what? It's just mysterious. She's like, I don't have any answers for you. So let that be a lesson. There... It's a mystery. Sometimes it's just a mystery. We don't know. I was thrilled to death. Now, mind you, I didn't go around eating sweet rolls because it could have been a glitch on my my meter or something. I'm not quite sure. I'm certainly not going to be the sugar studier where I'm actually testing my blood sugar after eating cinnamon rolls and coffee cakes and donuts and all that other kind of stuff. That's my, my sinful 
goodiness that I like, you know, like to sneak in on occasion, but on occasional blue moon because I don't want skyrocketing blood sugar numbers, okay? And, um, but anyways, it was a real mystery. I still think that maybe my machine glitched. My machine doesn't glitch, by the way. I don't know why my blood sugar was low that day. I mean, I was like thrilled, but also petrified because that meant that I did not know everything. I thought this product would actually raise my blood sugar and it didn't. What did I do that counteracted that? So maybe one of these days I'll try an experiment where I'm actually eating types of different types of food and then I'll actually report it on this channel. I really think that would be a lot of fun. I know Dennis Pollock on YouTube has already done this. He tests a lot of different foods between him and his wife. She has normal blood sugar. He has, he's more of a hypoglycemic, I believe. But I'll be darned because he is so good at maintaining his blood sugar and keeping it not just at 100, but between 80 to 100. Well, sometimes it's higher. But when he eats something, that's when it actually peaks. Like, he'll eat something, it might peak up to 120 and stay at 120 whereas his wife's will actually go back down to normal, which is around 100. That is just so cool to me. Now, I would probably have started testing my blood sugar and actually reporting it on here. However, my, my numbers are a little bit more embarrassing because if I started off at breakfast, then I have to explain my morning dawn phenomena, which I have every morning. So, you know, you have your liver and it's actually raising your blood sugar because it's trying to keep you alive because it's misinformed, okay? So our livers think that they're saving our lives by raising it to like 120, 150. And really all it's doing is it's like we fasted all night and our blood sugar is at 150 and our bodies think it's saving us for some reason, you know? Okay, whatever. But, you know, I keep trying to tell my body, hey, you can come down to 100. As a matter of fact, it can go down to 80. That'd be great. Um, pretty rare that I actually have blood sugar between 80 and 100 unless I'm actually literally starving myself. And um, it's not thrilling. I, I just can't do the one egg for breakfast, uh, slow fast shake for lunch, and sensible dinner, which can, consists of a couple of lettuce leaves and maybe a very small three ounce portion of meat. Ugh. Okay, so yeah, I actually can do the three ounces of meat because um, I do like smoked fish and you know, they come in the cans, three ounces, and that's a very satisfying to me. I think it's three ounces. Okay. No, it's about, yeah, it's around three ounces. That's not bad. It's very little food, but it's very filling for some reason. I'm, I wouldn't even say filling, I would say satisfied to where I'm not hungry anymore. Uh, for hours. So fish is, that's why I like fish, is because it's very, you know, it, it hits the spot so you're not starving. So I think it's a great food to actually have in your food storage, you know, just in case the, the apocalyptic, you know, world like, decides to end or something. Anyways, I think it'd be very good to actually have in case of emergencies, okay? So, um,. It's good to have on hand. It keeps your blood sugar regulated, from what I've noticed. Doesn't bring it up too high. Just kind of like does its thing. So you know, I'm pretty sure, like back in like you know 2000, 
2,000 years ago or so, when they were catching the fish and eating fish as their main meals and stuff, that they didn't have a lot of the blood sugar problems that we have today. I mean, they, I'm sure they had bread and stuff, but um, if, if their meals consisted of just mainly fish, they're probably in pretty good shape. So, um, you know, simple is better. Definitely keep things simple, and you'll definitely be able to keep your blood sugars in check. So, with that being said, I think I, I went over the two videos. You know what? If you have some spare time, um, go ahead and, and look up the people that I suggested. And I'd love to give you their names again, but I turn the page and it's dark. And <laughs> I forgot their names. Okay, just listen to the video again. But, um, yeah, if you have time, listen to the videos on YouTube or just type in how to bring down high blood sugars on YouTube. And, of course, they'll give you the different authors of who's done that. But there hasn't been a lot of reporting on that. So, again, it might be something I want to experiment with and at least share with you what my blood sugar numbers were before, what they are after, and what I think works best. So, again, I'm not trying to be a train wreck here like um, what Brittany suggested. <laughs> so, <laughs> experiment on yourself because everybody is different. But, you know, listen to these people. You know, take them to heart because they've been through it. You know, and they're, they're letting people like us know because one, they're letting us know we're not alone, and two, uh, they know what it feels like to have high blood sugar, so, you know, it's, it's good to know, and, and you might know more than they do, because it's like Brittany, I mean, she says, when I get up to 250, it feels like syrup in my veins, that must suck, I don't think I've ever experienced that before, um, another symptom of diabetes, and, you know, if you don't have it, somebody else might have it, is you get dark patches around certain areas, like um, under your breasts or on the back of your neck or under your armpits or in your groin area. And these are signs of diabetes by actually having the dark pitting and stuff. And they're not quite even sure what causes it, but they do know that diabetics get it. So <laughs> some, some uh, I guess, universal signs of diabetes. <laughs> so, um... Anyways, with that being said, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, my listening audience, for listening to me babble on while I talk about diabetes. Get that babble on, babble on, babble, you know, talk on. And, or babble on, what do you want to say? And thank you very much for listening to me talk about diabetes. It's one subject I'm absolutely passionate about. It's not a subject I know everything to, but I have not found one single individual out there who knows everything about diabetes, even when they get down to the nitty-gritty scientific discoveries of it, they still don't know 100% of it. So uh, I can guarantee you they could have the perfect example, the perfect model of a diabetic, and then all of a sudden the testing is all whacked out, like they could have a cinnamon roll and then all of a sudden they're normal don't know what causes that nobody does but maybe it's because it was had cinnamon in it who knows maybe cinnamon is more powerful than others say but from what i've actually seen you actually do have to consume quite a bit of cinnamon in order to have any effect on this so oh that reminds me okay i'm not gonna go just yet i just want to leave it this side 
When I was going through the classes back at St. Vincent de Paul, I wanted to lower my blood sugar as much as possible when I went to those classes. And we went to the morning classes. And I actually had to drive from one city to the next city. So I was living in Mesa at the time, had to drive all the way to Phoenix. And I think round trip, it was like 40 miles. So it was like 20 miles there, 20 miles back from where I lived. And I would actually have my coffee and I would drink, uh, or have my coffee, pop a couple cinnamon pills. And I think I had like eggs or something like that. Because, you know, I wanted to be good before classes. And so I always controlled my, my breakfast. So by the time I went from Mason to Phoenix, it had been like, you know, 45 minutes before the class starts. I had been up for about an hour. And that's the reason why my blood sugar was so low is because um, I was being a good girl and doing what I should do. So that's probably what was kind of weirding them out a little bit. Like, what is she doing in this class? Her blood sugars are always between 90 and 100. Now, here's something they didn't tell me back then. Okay, so I learned that blood sugars could be between 80 and 100 from Dennis Pollock. But back when, you know, 10 years ago, when I had just started out on my diabetes journey, I didn't know that. And so I thought anything below 100 was actually hypoglycemic. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Some people's normal blood sugar does run between 80 and 100. So, anyways, just with that being said, I used to freak out a lot back then. Like, oh my gosh, my blood sugar is 98. Ooh, this is horrible. Not necessarily a bad thing. I never saw it into the 80s. If I would have, I would have called a doctor, which is hilarious. But um, now that I know that that's normal, I, I know what to shoot for. So now, with that being said, I'm 33 minutes out. I'm going to say thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate um, some of the comments you've actually left on uh, diabetes and exercise or diabetes and aware excuse me, diabetes aware, not and aware, and uh, enjoy the, just enjoy the, the videos that I've actually been able to share with you, because it really is a learning experience, and, a, and hopefully some of these videos actually do help you, I'm, I'm going to continue to do this for the next 10 years, by the way, I, I really enjoy doing this, so with that being said, I am going to cheerfully end this episode. This has been Margaret Copeman Franklitz. Be kind to each other and have a great night.